You're listening to The Network's podcast, where we talk all things marketing and digital. I'm your host, Lisa Ma, and I'm part of the team who run the face-to-face Networks events across Brisbane, Australia. We're now bringing this great content to you, the listener. Each episode is a live recording of a past panel discussion. If you like what you hear, the magic of these events is still being in the room and making connections in person. To check out when the next live event is on, visit networksevents.com.au or find the link in the show notes. So this is part B of our inbound marketing conversation. If you haven't listened to part A, we suggest you go back and do so now. In this episode, we'll be delving deeper into the topic. Your panellists are Tyson Cobb from Business Depot Marketing, Deanna Druzic of Apollo Films, and Lucas Meadowcroft of Crofty Innovation. And your panel facilitator is James Gorsey. Happy listening. So we want to know now uh, who the audience for that message is. Like, who are we telling our story to? And, and Tyson, you might be able to shed a bit of light on what a good user persona looks like or, or what a good ideal client looks like. Do you have any methods for building a persona? Is it intuitive? Like, do we just go by gut or do we use data? Like, what, what do we start with? It's kind of a combination of all those things. Um, so, yes, you need to be able to tell a good story from a brand perspective and from the people behind the business. Um, but then you also need to go that one step further, further as well from an inbound mar- marketing perspective and have a look at uh, what you call an inbound marketing, a buyer persona. Marketing personas, avatars, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's essentially, uh, I, I think the description is a, se- a semi-fictional representation of your ideal customer or client. So semi-fictional meaning that you're using real data to define who that buyer persona is and you're using a little bit of gut feeling. So as a marketer or as a business owner, you have a bit of a gut feeling of who your ideal uh, customers or clients are. So I guess the method to developing a buyer persona is really quite simple. And it's just going out, the first thing is going out and talking to people. Not enough marketers do that. I'm guilty of it myself. (laughs) I don't go out and talk to, you know, customers. And so I talk to my own clients. But uh, for the businesses that we work with and everything, it's very beneficial just to get in front of them and just ask questions. Um, People are more than willing to answer their questions. You know, they think they're adding value. So the first thing is, I guess, just going out there and asking questions to um, try and extract some of that information. Uh, And then it's also using your gut feel of what you think, who you want to attract into the business. Um, So it's kind of, it's based on putting yourself in your customer's shoes and trying to figure out how they want to be marketed to, how they want to be sold to, and how they want to be serviced. And so the best way to do that is use a spreadsheet, chuck some questions in there to try and dive deep into the psychographics, not just the demographics, but into things like what are their pain points, similar to content marketing, you know, what are their pain points, uh, what are they struggling with, what questions are they asking, and how can you really add value to that as a brand? How can you answer those questions and really get in front of them and start a relationship, start a dialogue and start building that trust? And um, collating those responses to a point where you can then craft a story of your ideal buyer persona. So never base it off a real person. It's kind of collective responses of a lot of people and some gut feeling as well and some data. 
And they're building a story around that. Give it a picture. Give it a name. Share that with the team. Share that with the marketing team, with the with the CEO, the managing director, or whatever. So they get a good idea of who your ideal client or customer is. And we do that at Business Depot. We've got three buy personas. Uh, the main one, his name is Entrepreneur Ed. He's totally fictional, but we created a full story for him. And every time we go to make a marketing decision for Business Depot, we say, is that right for Ed? Would Ed buy that? Would Ed come to that event? Would Ed uh, take up that service or that bundled service or product or whatever? And then we make decisions based on that. And buy personas also help with your product development as well. So there may be something in there that you haven't thought of and when you're doing that research and asking those questions, you can come up with some new products and some new ways of servicing your clients. So, yeah. Excellent. That's a myth that's worth dispelling, I think, uh, that people aren't interested in talking with you about your product or service. I think if you tap into people's, like, sense of humanity and, and community, uh, you, you can be pleasantly surprised. And we, we've been pleasantly surprised at PPQ recently. We just put a little pop-up on our website on one page and, and we expected maybe you know, 10 or 20 people to respond. Hundreds of people responded to this thing and, and we just it completely blew our mind. Um, and we filled market research focus groups in a few days. And uh, it, are there any success stories that, that you've found using that technique? Oh, look, I think it just comes down to, you know, I always tell my clients that, when you're, when you're trying to get the biggest traction, we're trying to engage a, you know, the, the ideal audience, is kind of enter that conversation that's going on in their head already. Mm. Um, you know, and then how you can help solve that. And I think that really helps with relating to them and uh, empathising with them and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important to understand what they're thinking and what they're kind of internalising. So once upon a time... Uh, entrepreneur Ed, let's, let's stick with Ed for a little bit. Uh, Ed would go to the internet, would search for something on the internet, and if you had some halfway decent SEO and uh, a lead capture form on that page, you were going to get leads flowing through. Cheap, easy, re oh, relatively cheap, relatively easy. And these days, the market is a lot more saturated, right? We're, we're competing with lots and lots of content marketing by huge organizations and small organizations, just people off the street. So we can't really rely on that existing demand any longer. And I was interested in all of your opinion on this. What are the best ways to stand apart and build that awareness of your brand in what's sometimes a, a really noisy market in a way that results in subsequent engagement? Guys, I'm going to throw it out to all of you. So, um, for me, it's about having massive action. You have to do so much. You have to be so noisy. Like, I get often people say, oh, well, I do uh, my own video, therefore I don't need a professional video. That's cool, no problem. And then you have other people saying, well, we only do professional, should we be doing our own too? You really need to be doing all of it. Like, you need to get as much out there, I believe, as possible um, to, to basically continue to be engaging. So, you... I mean, I don't, I don't think you should only do one or the other type of content. You really need to have all of it done. Mm. Oh, can I elaborate on that? Yes. So if you asked me six months or eight months ago if I was in marketing, I would have told you, hell no. Um, uh, you know, even sales, uh, to be honest. So uh, we embarked on a journey uh, to get our brand out there and to get customers to really understand who we are and why we're different from the big four. And, uh, and so we started doing 
different type of content, right? So typically focus on video and, uh, and did a lot of study on this. So we use this as a, a good case study for ourselves. And, and also focus on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is not a very uh, great platform when it comes to uh, content marketing. And so what we found through this journey, doing professional videos and uh, as well as doing uh, individual videos, um, the interaction with uh, live feeds and, and team type of conversations uh, got most and um, most uptake. So if we were doing uh, Instagram stories or LinkedIn stories or whatever it might be, uh, live video of what's happening in the office, what you're doing with your team members, what you're doing with the clients, literally quick uh, videos and also some long videos, that was the most uh, uptake we were, we were getting from our, our ideal customers and then converting these ideal customers across as well. Uh, six months previous to what it is now, I would have said it's not going to work because our customers don't, don't follow this stuff, but they do. Um, you know, because if you look at our typical client, who um, typically in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they're not, you wouldn't think they're on social media, but their kids are, um, and their wives are, um, and so yeah, you can easily pick up on, you know, but it's all about finding your ideal avatar. If you, as soon as you know who your ideal avatar is, and there's a bit of a process you can go through to understand this, then the, the, the content definitely works. So, so we've got uh, awareness pretty well covered off now. Do you have anything to add, Tyson, on, on the subject of awareness in a noisy market? I think it's, it's definitely a noisy market. It's really hard to get cut through, especially you know, if you don't have the money to boost your content on it because you know, Facebook, it's obviously not so popular right now, but a couple of years <laughs> ago, Zuckerberg ordered money to boost your posts to get in front of an audience for, for, for a brand. Uh, so that's basically what it really the just formula was, right? Turned so, the screws uh, on, on yeah. everybody's organic reach, didn't it? 100%. Yeah. And unfortunately, LinkedIn's like almost triple the price to cost to uh, you know, promote your content on LinkedIn. Um, it is getting better, but I, I agree it's not, it's not the most glamorous platform. Um, but when it comes to, I guess, attracting or engaging that audience, it's really about delivering, from my perspective anyway, um, it's about delivering the right message or the right piece of content to the right person at the right time and in the right format. If they watch video, a lot of people watch video, so obviously that's a winning um, you know, way to go right there. But as an example, we uh, at Business Depot about two and a half years ago, we started a, video, a weekly video series. Um, and it was basically, we identified that one of our personas, um, it was Ed, yes, but there was another one, Startup Steve. and. Uh, it's a very lonely world for business owners these days who don't really know where to go. They're kind of, you know, if they're working from home or working from a co-working space, it's really hard to get that time to really sit down and think about your business and, uh, you know, where you need to take it from a growth perspective. You're too busy servicing your clients and stuff like that. Um, so I'm talking B2B here, um, obviously, because I specialise in that. But uh, this video series, we basically identified that Video was a way to go for about five minutes a week. It was easy to watch, it was easy to follow, and it was just strategies for growth. Uh, our business coach at Business Depot, he was the one that was presenting. Uh, we're winding it up now because it's kind of run its course after 130 episodes, but at the end of the Most day... Most TV shows don't run that long. I know. Well, we kind of <laughs> use that Big Bang Theory kind of uh, comparison, but anyway. Uh, and this video series attracted, I think... Uh, the revenue from that was about $100,000 over the course of doing it. We just produced videos. We didn't really do much else. Mm. But it was the right content that we delivered 
the right time, every single week, in the right format that people wanted to watch. And we got a lot of hand raises, people going, can you please help me with this? This was a great framework and I need to do this for my business. Yeah. So, yeah, it really helped. So really speaking about us. video, um, I'll give Stefan a bit of warning because uh, we do have a couple of videos that Deanna's very graciously brought in for us. And uh, would you like to introduce these videos just quickly for us, Deanna? We've got uh, a couple yeah. that we're going to show 10 or 20 seconds of each. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I just wanted to give you a bit of an idea. A lot of the times when people engage us to do video testimonials or anything like that, they often think that they have to be perfect when they do their delivery and that... Everyone is perfect when they're in front of the camera, so then when they get up on camera uh, and then they start talking and they make mistakes, they start to freak out because they're making mistakes. And so it's, and then, you know, they see the perfectly polished version and think that that's the way that it was delivered. <laughs> so I just wanted to show you just a little bit of a funny uh, blooper reel, actually, of what was done, what a lady did on set when we were just trying to get her to do an explainer video. So she was just explaining her business. Uh, and yeah, take it away, Stefan. <gasps> Sorry. Oh, the crows are shocking here, really bad. Am I too far forward? So, so I've got to look right into that. Yep. Well, our program is designed for, now can we just start again? Yep. I just <laughs> okay, sure, keep looking at the camera. <laughs> That wasn't as good. Sorry, can I do that again? Well, our classes are designed to be for the baby and for... Oh, gosh, I'll start again. Sorry. It's harder than you think. Hang on, look at my hand. Right. They're visual. Oh, see, I forgot. Yeah, anyway. It is right. So, you want to ask the question again? Make sure that you Okay, that's heaps. <laughs> so, you get a little bit of an idea for, you know, and for what can happen on set. And I tell you what, we've had Channel 7 TV presenters even working with us on jobs, on educational videos, and they also make mistakes. So don't think that you have to be perfect in order to get in front of a camera. You don't. You just have to be you. And if it takes you 130 episodes to get it right, well, so be it. <laughs> you know? It's just the way that it is. So, you, you know, you might do three or four Facebook Lives and nobody, nobody actually looks at it. That's great, because you're probably going to suck, right? So <laughs> just keep going. Just keep going and keep practicing until you get better. Um, the beauty of having, I guess, professional video done uh, and what we do with our clients is we really help them um, in terms of how to present to camera. So there are a lot of tricks and lots of things you can do to, to get a really smooth delivery. I'll just show you quickly 10 seconds or so of what it looks like once it's edited so you get an idea um, of, of the outcome. Our classes are built around music, movement and sensory play and we use play as a tool to enhance all areas of your child's development. We work on social skills, we work on emotional skills, we work on gross motor skills, fine motor skills, visual development and brain development. I, I can definitely relate to this, this lady. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody uh, doesn't even think know we can wrap it up. Developing. Um, okay, well, uh, I can definitely relate to this lady because if anybody ever saw uh, some promo videos that I did for networks on my iPhone, on a stack of books, on my balcony, uh, yeah, screw-ups, left, right and centre, it was, it was awful. Yeah, so I guess the main <laughs> message from me is just that, uh, just, just do it. You know, don't don't procrastinate. Just do it and practice, and 
and keep going. And if you need help, there's always people around that can help you improve your skills on camera. But you don't need to be perfect to start. So, so that content is, is quite engaging, uh, the finished product. Um, well, as well as the blooper reel. I thought that was pretty engaging. Um, but uh, how do we, as uh, business people and as marketers, begin to engage with our customers and build a, a relationship with them before you know, we've even got on the phone and had a conversation with them or before we've met with them face to face and sh shaken their hand? I'll just throw it out to anyone, yeah. Sure. So I'll use the same example from before with LinkedIn. And so uh, clients that we have on board now never, never knew about us before, um, before our videos. And even though they understood the content that we're delivering from our services that we're providing to these really old organizations, um, what engaged them was our culture. And so the videos that they really inspired to and why they wanted to work with us was the culture. And it doesn't matter how many people I speak to these days, it's all about the culture. And so if you can really get that out there on who you are and what your vision and mission is and what you're trying to achieve long term, uh, that's where we've had the best wins. Um, so I guess I'll take a step, I don't know if I answered your question. Step further is once, once they've engaged, either through a message or through a LinkedIn IM or whatever, whatever the situation might be or, or gone to one of your landing pages, you, then you've got to put them into your funnel, right? Um, uh, even though I don't like that word. <laughs> so uh, you've got to engage with them. So we just signed a client last week. We've, uh, he initially uh, went through, um, if I call it the funnel, uh, watched one of our videos uh, eight months ago, uh, and since then has been receiving our um, you know, weekly uh, newsletters. Um, and predominantly our, our newsletters are, are not who we are what we do. It's about what we've been do doing for clients and, and case studies and fun and stupid shit. Um, uh, eight months later, I asked, you know, why do you engage? He's like, I've just been following you the whole time, following you on LinkedIn, following you, and this guy runs a, you know, 300 staff organization and is in his 60s. So you just have no idea. So, so we're talking about engaging content, and and there there are methods that we can use to to really or lenses we can look through um, to understand what kind of content might work for our, our selected audiences. And, and this uh, concept that came up a couple of years ago is this idea of content clusters. Uh, Tyson, you, you've worked with content clusters in the past. Sounds like something you can eat for some reason. I don't know. Uh, but uh, can you tell us a bit about that, Tyson, before I talk my way into a hole? <laughs> Well, I'll probably do the same thing because there are SEO people in the room and they're going to just cringe at me trying to explain <laughs> content uh, topic clusters. But in the inbound marketing circle, I guess it's, uh, topic clusters is a, is a better way of organising your content. Um, I, th I think we've got a slide, Stefan, just for this one, um, just to kind of demonstrate what a topic cluster model looks like. And previous to this one, it was kind of like you've got your blog, then you've got these, all these different blog posts that you're that you're producing on a regular basis. The idea of a topic cluster is to find that, I guess, that uh, cluster content topic that is the central point of all this other content. So uh, that is what, in, again, in inbound marketing is called a, a, a pillar piece of content that sits on a pillar page. And this is usually something that is really premium, something that is 2,000 plus words long and it adds so much value. And then your cluster topics after uh, that, that kind of spawn from that are subcategories of that topic. So an example would probably be um, if you're a, a, f a fitness, oh, well, a gym or something like that, and you've got a topic on workout routines. 
And then you've got some cluster content around uh, workout routines with dumbbells, workout routines to uh, you know get abs, workout routines to lose the belly fat, or what? It's the same thing. In that. I need some of that. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should write something. Uh, <laughs> workout routines without dumbbells, workout routines at home. You know, it's just kind of uh, again organizes your content in a better way. Um, Google in search, they kind of love this because it's all of your cluster content is linking back to that pillar piece of content, uh, which kind of boosts the credibility of that in Google. All the SEO guys, if I'm off, just shout out at me, eh? <laughs> um, and then, obviously, it helps as well with developing those content ideas, which can be hard mm. as well mm. um, to keep that fresh and keep that going. But if you've got one piece of uh, kind of... You've got one topic cluster, that could be 20 different pieces of content. Obviously, the more topic clusters you have or the more cluster content you have, the bigger your pillar post needs to be. So, yeah, that's uh, the best description of topic clusters that I could give. Do you mind if I just quickly elaborate to give context to this? So, if I talk about I'm not in marketing and have never been in marketing until six months ago, I didn't even know this even existed, whatever this topic cluster is about. Um, but I had the same issue going, well, how do I create content? Where do I get content from? And, and how could I, can I engage with my, with my ideal customer? Um, I had no way where to start. I had no idea where to start. Um, and so I asked, uh, in conversations and in meetings, and we would all be in meetings with, with uh, our ideal customers on a daily basis, um, if they ask a the question more than once or multiple people ask the, the same question, you give the same answer, that became my content. So all I was doing was giving away education on a daily, weekly basis based on the, on the conversations I'm having with my ideal customers to obtain the information, create a video on it, create some content around it, create a blog and articles and all the marketing terminology stuff that you need to do, um, and just give it away. Mm. And that was the easiest way I found, because if you said to me, create, create a video, what do you want to create it on? No idea. No idea where to start. Yeah. So all I was doing is answering questions just to kick it off. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode's content. If you'd like to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We love seeing how far our Australian podcast has reached around the world. A shout out to our listeners in the States, Germany and London and wherever you may be listening from. You can check out the show notes for more information about this episode and a link to an upcoming Networks event. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter and tune in soon for the next instalment.